0: news evaluation is certainly the major trend in security clearance reform today. A recent white paper produced by the Intelligence and National Security Alliance was titled Same but Different Security Clearances for Contractors and Government Employees. It specifically addressed some of the disparity in continuous vetting and particularly the reporting processes between government employees and contractors and the agencies they support. Today we're chatting with Senior Vice President of Mantec Mission Cyber and Intelligence Solutions Group, Joseph Kraus. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your expertise, Joseph. Thank you for having me. So the recent white paper that INSA produced, it addressed the current issues with insider threat reporting. One of those issues addressed is the one-way nature of insider threat reporting now. So industry is required in policy to report adverse information to the government. The government is not necessarily required to report that information to industry. Depending on how you read the Privacy Act or the policy, I know some in government believe they, they literally can't share that information. So I know you know a recent event that INSA held and in kind of talking about the white paper, you all discussed that conundrum? What might be needed to improve that or change that? Can you just discuss that briefly for us?
1: Well, I can. And I think the meeting or event you were talking about was actually last week, where INSA had a legal reform roundtable. Numerous members on there to include, you know, our president and CEO. Then some legal affairs or lawyers from some of the IC community. And then also the gentleman from Doha. That's the final appeals office for the majority of the Department of Defense to go to. They have a concern or the due process for a final security determination. But what was interesting in that panel that came out was an understanding that it's not necessarily an issue of the Privacy Act. It's probably more so a concern or an issue with the policies that are out there. What I would like to do with you is... To touch on a little bit what I feel the wonderful partnership that we've been, that industry has had with government, particularly with the Senate and the Congress and with DNI, as you probably are aware, which I'm sure you are, last year in the signed NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, there is now language in there that requires the security and suitability and credentialing executive agents to come up with a pilot program for two-way sharing of information from the government to industry for that information related to industry employees on government locations. So the language requires them to come up with a pilot program within 180 days, if I recall, which means that would come up in March of this year. Hopefully, maybe our next podcast or conversation, we could focus on that to see how the government is doing, particularly the two security and suitability and credentialing executive agents, how they are coming and moving forward with that pilot program. The partnership between industry and government, in my view, have been doing this for 40-plus years, is the most positive that I've ever seen it. And we, industry, are or developing what we feel would be a nice baseline for that pilot program. Through ENZA and the other working groups and committees out there like PSC, we're going to reach out to ODNI, DNI, and the Congress to assist in developing that pilot program.
0: I do think the partnerships today between industry and government on fixing these issues is definitely greater than it ever has been the collaborative nature the desire of government to work with industry we don't necessarily always see i think is definitely there so i think that's been a a major highlight and they also mentioned ndaa that's a great point there was a lot of meaty stuff in the last ndaa and you're saying you're pretty optimistic that they're making the progress needed to do that stuff because i always wonder if they read those and think if it's is it a suggestion or a requirement
1: well, if you read the language, it's actually a requirement, to the point it says within 180 days you shall. It's not just a recommendation. So it will be interesting to see, and then as I mentioned, it would be interesting if you and I help to track that progress and to see where maybe we can assist.
0: Kind of related to that, we're seeing more contractors create their own continuous evaluation or monitoring programs. Kind of like you talked about industry is really doing a lot in this respect. Um, Is this just a requirement post Snowden that major contractors saying, hey, we're going to have our own continuous vetting program so we don't have an issue like that where we have a contractor on site and we're just not super aware of what they're doing? Or is that somehow related to the lack of information sharing taking place between government and industry right now?
1: Very good question. And it actually is a requirement. So If you step back in time just a little bit, back in 2011, and you know all the different occurrences that happened back in 2011, an executive order actually came out defining the structural reforms to improve the security of classified networks and the responsibility sharing and safeguarding of classified information. And in that executive order is where they mentioned that those agencies shall implement an insider threat detection program. And then if you fast forward to a few more years in 2016, the defense security services, which they were called back then, which now they have changed their name. But in 2016, DSS came out with a change to, to the NISPOM, which is the directive, the manual that industry follows those that handle classified information or have sensitive positions and in that change to and in an industrial security letter they defined the insider threat minimum standards for contractors which certainly has that continuous monitoring and continuous evaluation in there so i gave you a long answer it's primarily the requirement from the government to have such programs.
0: But I feel like the industry response to that was pretty robust, because I do feel like they've come up with programs that are in some ways definitely more rigorous, I would say, than the government requirement. And then I know we've heard, at least anecdotally, some folks saying those programs are more rigorous than what government continuous evaluation looks like, some of the specific contractor-driven monitoring programs. Do you think that's accurate? Do you, yeah, how would how would you characterize it?
1: Yeah, and how I would characterize it and respond to that is, you know, it really it depends on who you, you talk to. And what I mean by that, the NISPOM, as I mentioned to you, in the executive order, and now, as you know, there's a new seed, you know, a security executive agent directive that defines the requirements of continuous evaluation or continuous monitoring, but industry, depending on the size of the company and the mission portfolio that they have, they certainly differ because I think you would agree a tier one large company probably has more robust tools and monitoring systems than a small business. I think you would say the same thing for the government. I would say that an intelligence community agency probably has a more robust continuous monitoring evaluation program than a Social Security Administration. So I think it's all predicated on the mission and the requirements and the risk that's involved with that mission.
0: That makes sense. We're talking about these programs. So again, we know you're giving up some element of Privacy when you sign up for a for a security clearance, just in the sense that you're filling out you know a lot of paperwork about personal details, all of that kind of stuff. Continuous evaluation is kind of saying, hey, you know they're going to check my credit report, they're going to check criminal histories, um, public databases. Do you think that's an issue for candidates signing up? You know we always talk about that with the security clearance process. Is that going to be an issue for talent acquisition? Is so huge. How do we attract young people, quote unquote, to government careers? Do you think these continuous evaluation monitoring programs are a bit of an image issue for both government and industry, or do you think candidates are just expecting it in the information sharing world we live in today?
1: I tell you, today I have the pleasure of meeting just about all the new employees that come into Mantec. And I can tell you what they are articulating is they understand that holding a security clearance is a privilege and one that carries special responsibilities. If there is a concern, the concern really is the speed to bring clear and trusted new workforce to the government and industry to meet the national and defense strategy requirements. So really, it's the speed to bring on these new, clear, and trusted employees versus any negativity as far as you know you're going to be monitoring or polygraphs or anything like that.
0: It's mostly giving them the right impression about how quickly they can enter the process. Not, And we've heard that also. It's not, it's not the number of candidates coming in. It's being able to maintain them through the process because of the lengthiness. That's exactly right.
1: And as you know, back in 2017, that is why industry and the conglomerate of CEOs working with ENZA and those other agencies that drafted a letter to the Congress and the Senate Articulating just that, we we want we're just as empowered for national security as you are. But our concern is, you're well verse back then it was called a backlog. Now it's an in inventory that was 700 plus cases. Plus it was taking two to 300 plus days to clear employees or candidates for a secret or a top secret clearance. The good news, as you and I speak today in 2020, is you've seen that inventory considerably come down to more about the 240,000 plus cases, and then the days to clear personnel for secret and top secret have come down considerably as well. And that's because of the partnership, again, with government and industry together
0: kind of relates to the security clearance processing timeline issues, it's walking a line between quality and quantity. So continuous evaluation, insider threat reporting, play a role in that. How do you think continuous evaluation makes the clearance process more secure? What are the risks or potential misfires? I know right now we're talking a lot with different agencies about reciprocity and candidates. That's already a twisty wicket what does that look like under continuous valuation
1: yeah, that's another very good question so i would say the upside certainly is now the ability to receive near real time alerts and flags on employees when an issue may come up you know either with a credit or criminal arrest or something versus if you remember you know a few years back We might not necessarily receive that information until it was time for that five-year or 10-year reinvestigation. So the upside is the near real-time alert and flag so that either the government or industry, then we have the opportunity to engage with our respective employees and probably mitigate whatever that flag or issue was before it grows even more considerably. So in my view, that's the upside. The downside is, again, I would go back to the two-way information sharing. The government industry together to have an all-of-government-trusted workforce, our ability to ensure that our enterprise IT systems, our supply chain risk management is just as secured as the government's, And to be able to do that, we have to have that information shared with us that maybe the government might have the ability to obtain it since a lot of our employees, as you well know, are on government locations that we might not necessarily pick up with our own continuous evaluation program. So that shows you the criticality of that two-way information sharing.
0: Do you think the groundwork is being laid to where – that information sharing works so that reciprocity works? Because that is definitely the concern that we see is like continuous evaluation, obviously more pros than cons. What's yeah. going to happen as people try to transfer under under continuous evaluation? Because we still have agencies looking for that last PR date, which is not really relevant. Yeah,
1: well, th- that's true, right? And as you well know, the question of... Particularly now with continuous evaluation and a lot of the PRs are being deferred, what actually is that last investigation date, which adds to the reciprocity? The good news you know, the government and DNI, ODNI, as you know, they came out with the new Seed 7, which specifically addresses reciprocity and it defines the timelines that those respective government agencies should turn or accept those clearances or investigations of somebody transferring from one IC or one DOD agency to the other. And they define what those timelines are and what the requirements are. And certainly, there's always going to be exceptions, right? Because you have to ensure that the employee or the person transferring is the exact same position from one IC agency to the other. It is more defined, in my view, than it's ever been in this seat, that truly would enhance reciprocity, in my view. And, if I may add, Congress, I believe in the NDAA also, has speculated or identified timelines, and they are asking the IC and DOD and the other components for metrics, to define what they are so they can help monitor as well.
0: There's a lot of forward momentum now, and I think a lot of positives. We'll just have to stay in touch and <laughs> see what comes well, next. Well, I hope
1: we do. I mean, just this conversation, you know, is so enlightening, and I hope we continue to have these, you know, in partnership with ends as you've mentioned, as we go forward, because I agree with you. You can see the momentum and the enthusiasm, because I think you would agree, as part of this Trusted Workforce 2.0, we're going to transform the whole security process from where it was back a few short years ago.
0: And I continue to see, like say, I think with the news that the backlog and the inventory is at a steady state, that's been the major headline over the past year is the size of that backlog. Well, that can't be the headline anymore. So now attention turns back to Trusted Workforce 2.0 and the potential changes to adjudicative criteria, like you said, the information sharing aspect between government, the pilot programs, all of the clearance reform, aspects that were rolled out into the NDAA, new timelines. Now we get to talk about all that fun stuff in the months to come.
1: Absolutely. Yes, ma'am.
0: This is Lynn Kaiser, Senior Editor of ClearanceJobs.com. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Cleared Cast. For more security clearance news and defense industry information, please visit news.clearancejobs.com.